part-time sandboy. I like your background. Is, are those all your comics? Uh, these are some of my comics. Oh, yeah. wow. You've got a lot. <laughs> these, used... are, these, these are all my comics, but these are not all of my comics. Yeah, so. yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, for anyone listening, and we should just start, you have a wall <laughs> of graphic novels behind you as you... I do. Uh, Ari has... Uh, is it Ari or Ari, or how should I pronounce it? it it's Ari. Ari. Okay. Ari Gross. Low A. Yeah. Right? Yes. Ari Gross. Cool. That's cool. right. Cool. Well, let's just begin. Let's just start saying that this is the, uh, start off by saying that this is the Part-Time Fanboy Podcast. My name is Christian Horn. And as I just mentioned, I have a very special guest on the line. His name is Ari Gross, right? That's right. Okay, great, great, great. It's early, not early my time, but it is morning my time. <laughs> you are three hours ahead of me, so I may be a little Indeed. bit foggy in the head, but we are here because you currently, I always like to start off by letting people know, you currently have a Kickstarter going, correct? That is right. It ends February uh, 25th. Yeah, so day, we're just getting into my, the end of it, yeah. right? That's right. This is uh, this is the home stretch. The home stretch. Yeah, yeah. Because this interview will probably go up like Wednesday, and it ends on the twenty fifth. So hopefully, we will drag some stragglers into this project and get you over the line, right? Yeah, that's what two, 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 three days at the end. Yeah, so, two, yeah. Three, if yeah, you're listening yeah. to this right now, you have. No time. Back in yeah, yeah. Uh, you should get on. You should stop <laughs> listening to this interview and go straight to Kickstarter and fund this project. So the project is called Awakenings, correct? Uh, Awakening single. Oh, Awakening. Okay, Singular. great. Awakenings is the Robert De Niro, uh, uh, Robin Williams movie. I think. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yeah. Anyway, I I have not seen it. No, <laughs> no, no, a couple it's, minutes. It's actually, I think, a decent '90s movie, if I remember correctly. Is it good? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think De Niro is. I can't remember. He's. Uh, I don't know if he's uh, has. Uh, he's degenerating, like uh, mm. uh, physically and mentally. And Robin Williams is his doctor. I can't. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But anyway, this is awakening, singular, not plural. And this is kind of like, from my understanding of what I've read on Kickstarter and what I've read in the emails that you sent me. Um, it took a little while for us to schedule this and bounce back and forth, but we got it done. We got it done. We We're did. here and I'm happy to have you on because this project looks really neat. Um, uh, it is sort of kind of like a love letter to, I'm just going to say it like Star Trek, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, this this whole project is, I think I even may explicitly say it's a love letter to Star Trek and classic <laughs> okay. science fiction. Okay, I just don't know how much under the, yeah. you know, like copyright law, whatever, all no, that no, stuff, you know, what, what we want to say. But I'm not, I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. No, no, me. definitely uh, not. Definitely <laughs> not. If, someone wants to, if someone wants to take, if Paramount decides they want to take the effort to like publicly uh, go after some random indie comic guy who 
for a Star Trek like comic. I would love that because <laughs> that would be incredible promotion. So they, please sue me now. You know, <laughs> well they have don't don't say that because they might. <laughs> but they have been known to go after people who like you know will do their own video series right or radio dramas and stuff like that. So I mean, as much as we love Star Trek, Paramount itself could be like, hey man, what are you doing? But uh, let's... Yeah, there's there's nothing officially Star Trek about this. Sure. It, it takes place in a very Star Trek-like universe with Star Trek-like characters Yeah, in a way that the reader will immediately know what's happening, be able to get caught up to speed, nice. have a sense of, you know, what's happening on the ship. And, you know, it, it reads kind of, at least it starts very much, I hope it starts very much like a Star Trek episode, the sense that you're thrown into a thing, there's a ship exploring a strange anomaly at uh, the edge of an unknown galaxy, one of the crew members, the first one we see, Lieutenant Lau, was acting very strange. Uh, I mean, we we don't know the character, so we don't know how he's really supposed to act. But it's clear to everybody else that he's like, he ain't right. Yeah. Uh, and the question is, you know, then what is why is he acting the way that he is? What is the anomaly? Is there a relationship between the two? And and what's what's going to happen when the way that he starts acting conflicts with the way that other people think that things should be? Uh, and without giving a, a too much away because it's a uh, it's a little twisty and turny and you know there's uh, there, there's a lot of fun stuff in the back half of the comic. Uh, it, it I really wanted to give it a, a sort of classic Star Trek feel where you start off and you're like, you know, you, you're just it's it's this it's the setup that you that you want to know more. You want to know what's happening. You want to uh, identify and have a uh, not identify, but you want to have a feel for the cast and how they. They interact with each other. You know, when you watch Star Trek, you don't just watch Star Trek or any science fiction or anything ever uh, just to see what happens. Like you want to have some fun with the cast and you want to, mm. you know, identify with the crew and see how they interact with each other. So I try to do a bit of the, uh, you know, it's a bit of an, uh, a balancing act between characters and plot as it is for all things writing. Uh, sure. But I think using the Star Trek uh, sort of template helps get people into the plot a little faster. You yeah. don't have to spend, you know, a page of just pure exposition or something like that. You know, like, this is a ship. It's in space. Like, we know what's happening, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, but yeah, you're using sort of like the shortcut of the Star Trek, like, language and, and universe to sort of develop your own sort of sci-fi story. But I remember opening it up and being like, oh, okay, this looks fun. This obviously looks Star Trek. I mean, they've got the colored tunics and stuff like that oh, yeah. on a ship and stuff, which I love. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the original Trek. Like, like I'm not like a next generation guy or anything after the original Trek. I do like the next generation <laughs> and stuff like that. I, I'm not disparaging anybody who loves anything beyond that. But like the original Star Trek, obviously for me, came a cross it or I discovered it at a time when it was like you know I was like a teenager and very much like mm. into sci-fi and stuff like that so I just absorbed it I love Kirk I love Spock I love McCoy I love that whole you know holy trinity of 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 Trek you know as That's as, right, it, yeah. as it uh as some people refer to it as but um I guess my kind of question to you is uh, I mean I, the obvious answer is like you know, everyone knows this, right? Like Star Trek is universal at this point or, you know, world renowned, like everybody it's people have seen it all across the world. So once they look at your project, like I did, I was like, okay, I know where I'm at. Like, like I know what I'm doing here, but for you, you must have a serious love of Star Trek to want to create sort of, 
like a Kickstarter, you know, sort of, um, you know, paying tribute to it, right? Yeah, you can't kind of like have a little love for something and then want to make a comic that is distinctly in that style. Yeah, like you have yeah. to actually like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was huge into Star Trek as a kid. Okay, uh, I. Uh, more next generation. That was the series I grew up watching. That sure, was like sure. uh, in, in the nineties. Uh, I've seen uh, a bunch of the original series, although I haven't gone through and done the whole thing. Like some people, uh, <laughs> like m- many people in my, maybe not many people, a few people in my family who are just like, Oh, I've just finished watching all of Voyager after I finished watching all of DS nine. And oh, I was like, wow. I have no time to do anything. Yeah, I don't know when yeah. you get the time to do like a Voyager rewatch, but like, yeah. that's great for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my like, friends keep like, telling oh, I- me to watch DS nine <laughs> and I've never watched it. And I just am like, I don't have the time to like go back and like watch all of that, like 20, 24 episodes to see, like, you know what I mean? Or 22 yeah, or whatever. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. If, if you want to like crush like nineties network television, like that's, that's an effort. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. 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 You know, yeah. To, you have to, you have to just like be in, be in it to like to win it from the get go, you know, from the jump. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I so the reason Star Trek I've been watching these days is start uh, Strange New uh, Strange New Worlds, which is excellent. Okay. It's uh, brings yeah, back I hear it's a really lot of good. the classic. Yeah, I mean, for you, since you mentioned the classic Star Trek, it's it explicitly deals with a lot of the classic Star Trek characters with their situations, with some episodes. Uh, often they they revisit something that you know you've seen, and if you haven't seen, you're wondering what's going on. And then you know, like like for it, if you've seen the original series, it adds a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, and I love Lower Decks. I, I really love it. I went into it uh, the first season being like, this is just going to be silly. And I was like, oh, it's also really like funny and clever and very Star trek And like it commits to being a Star Trek comedy, like both those things 100%. Like everyone on the ship loves future and space and exploration and science. Like it's like it's just a it's a pure embrace of what people love about Star Trek, but it's also a comedy, sure, uh, a character-driven comedy, and I think they did a, a very good job of it. And uh, there's actually now Lower Decks comics that have been uh, coming out, written by uh, a fellow Torontonian, Ryan North, and uh, drawn by oh geez, I'm gonna I'm gonna mangle his name uh, or on Twitter, but uh, uh, you can. Well, you can what cut, was uh, I gonna Chris say? So something. you're like the second Canadian I've had on this week. I've had, there's two interviews going up this week, and you're so that's great. That's great though. So I mean, I guess for me, um, like Chris Finoglio, that's the guy's okay. name. Drawing Star Sounds Trek. Good. I just wanted to give him a shout because it was Chris a, Finoglio. Job. That's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that name. Um, sure, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's funny because Lower Decks, apparently, from what I understand, it was very sort of like controversial with some fans, right? Like they didn't want their sort of like you know, sacred cow touched, you know, and, and brought down into the sort of comedy muck. Right. But you're saying that, uh, it's something worth watching, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've realized over the years is that a different take on something if done well is fine. Even if you like the original take on it even more or for what it is, like if you want a serious science fiction show that just does sci-fi and doesn't do comedy, that's fine. And if someone comes around 20 years later, or in case of Lower Decks, almost you know, 50, 60 years later, and makes a funny version of something of like that, that's also fine. There can be more than one thing that people can like. And if you don't like it, then you don't need to engage with it. And it doesn't need to be a part of your life. I mean, sure. I, I don't get uh, sucked into fandoms with, uh, with, with a passion like a, lot of, uh, like a lot of other people. I enjoy things a lot. And I, I, I love the ideas and I love the concepts, but if something takes a turn and I'm not into it, 
then I just step back and say, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll, I, I enjoy the things I liked or I'll wait for it to come around with something I do like. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't take things super personally and I think you have to not, uh, especially as, as a, I don't know, like I just know so many people who do, like I, I went to university, my, my, I did my undergrad with like hardcore, like Tolkien fans. Like all my buddies were <laughs> like hardcore and I had never even read the Hobbit. So when Lord of the Rings were coming Uh-oh. out, they were like super excited and then all super critical because Tom Bombadil wasn't in them. And I was like, yeah, the movie seemed good. Like I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, yeah, yeah. be upset because I, my, you know, cause your favorite character from the book wasn't in a movie that I saw. Like I, yeah. I, I just can't get sucked into that stuff. I don't have the emotional. Sure, like, sure, sure, it, sure. So. Yeah, unfortunately, I do sometimes. That's that's my problem. A lot <laughs> is that of sometimes do. I will. Yeah, I will dive into. Well, I used to when I was younger. Now I'm just like whatever. I got more important things to. That's why it's called part time <laughs> fanboy. Um, but no, I mean speaking of to alternate takes. So like, what is it? What would you say to somebody who's a fan of? St- you know, sci-fi, you know, Star Trek and stuff like that, um, that makes your sort of take unique and different because, uh, you know, there's been tons of this stuff, right? There's so much. Now it's just like a huge industry. I remember when I was younger, because I'm old, um, you know, (laughs) and Star Trek, it was just Star Trek, right? Like there's only one show and all you had were the reruns. You might not have, when I was little, you didn't even really have the movies, you know, and the movies started coming out. So, I mean, so much has been done with this. What is it about sort of like your take on this kind of universe that would suck a fan of this stuff in? Because just looking at the art, I was like, okay, yeah, this looks great. This looks very charming and 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 neat and 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 interesting and very much fits into the box of like what I'm looking at, you know, when I think of like Star Trek or sci-fi. Yeah, you're asking what's what's the hook? What's the extra thing? Yeah, what's absolutely. Like, well, what yeah. what is the hook? Or yeah, yeah, sure. exactly. So, I mean, what this comic does, it sort of does two things. Uh, one is it provides a Star Trek-like story. Uh, and the second, it taps into the long history of comic artists having, uh, of essentially breaking the fourth wall. So I call it a fourth wall questioning comic. Oh, gotcha. That if you read the, f- in the first few pages, the main character is looking directly at the reader and seeing things that nobody else sees. And oh. there's a lot of uh, great history in comics of that. I mean, I, I think I've got right next to me on here, I've got Animal Man just like behind me, you know, yeah. at the end of, uh, which is, uh, a huge, uh, uh, you know, widely known for uh, for that, for Grant Morrison having himself in like the final issue, having a conversation with the main character, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, and so there, there's lots of that in comics with Deadpool and stuff like that. And so I want to create the situation. And that's why uh, you have that She-Hulk uh, in the exactly. in the Kickstarter. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah, someone yeah. picked up on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was just funny because I needed a comic and I just grabbed in my comic book and I pulled out something. I was like, oh, She-Hulk. I was like, this is meant to be. So Perfect. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's something I want to uh, – because of the uh, the established uh, conventions of comics where characters talk to the audience, they talk about the readers, the writers. We're used to people in comics at this point know, you know, speaking to the readers and kind of knowing that they are a character and knowing what's up. And so I wanted to write a story that plays on that ambiguity uh, of one character thinking there's something else out there. He's not describing it as necessarily the readers or like, you know, he's not comic aware, at least, uh, 
not not in any way that like Deadpool is or sure. Gwenpool or any of these you know uh, modern characters or even like I don't know, ambush bug or whatever you know like uh, but it, it does it does that and it deals with uh, that convention and you know the question for the story is like is that something that's like true in the context of the story or reality or like you know what's happening like this is something that we're used to expecting to see and saying yeah okay he's just talking to the readers but like what you know, it, it's trying to infuse oh, that so into, is a, he into having a sci-fi like, style story. Oh, so is is the character like having an awakening to sort of like what he is like in the, you know, like in that fourth wall sort of like, are you saying that that's the, the question? Oh, that's, that's very that's, clever. That's the story. That is very clever. And that's nice. When, yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. So, and meanwhile, the other characters are... So, and it, but it's not, so it sounds like to me, again, I have not read this, so I don't know. I've, I've only seen a couple of pages of it. So it sounds like to me, like he is awakening. I'll use the word again to the idea that he might be in a story and it's not like other breaking the fourth wall stories where the character speaks to the audience and no one else is aware of what he's doing, right? It's not like the Clark Kent, like kind of like winking at the audience and, you know, no right. one else is yeah. aware of that. The other characters are like, maybe what are you doing? Am I, am I going down the wrong, the right path on this or? You're, you're basically, you're, yeah, you're, you're getting there. Am it's, I spoiling uh, it? <laughs> I don't, I don't. Uh, nope. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> in the campaign. Uh, That's very no, you're, you're cool, Ari. It. That's very cool. I like that idea. Yeah, I wanted something where, you know, every time Deadpool turns to the, uh, you know, to the readers and be like, wow, wow, so, you know, whatever deadpool thing he says to them, everyone's just like, yeah, Deadpool's just weird. Like, yeah, we don't yeah. know what's going on. He's crazy. Like, you know, they react to him as a person, you know, as a as a mentally unstable person. Uh, and this is someone who's perhaps realizing that there's more to his life than he realized uh, and, and that he once thought. And then people have to react to him as, here's a guy acting crazy. Yeah. Like, is this because of the thing in front of us? Is this because of something else? And what do we do in this weird situation? Do we take him to the med bay? Do we take him to the brig? Is this like a security issue? Is this a problem with his, uh, you know, his subcranial implants? And, and that's that's on the Kickstarter. The first question is the, you know, the med bay officer who's his friend. And I go into the relationship there, so their their history a bit together. Uh, you know, she's sympathetic towards him because she's like, uh, you know, I've known Lao for a long time. This is clearly a medical issue. And the security officer is just like, this isn't right. We can't have this on our ship. Like, this guy needs to go to the brig. This is like, this is a, a major risk to us all. And so it fleshes out that sort of conflict. And well, you know, things things spiral a bit. Uh, <laughs> and, oh and, yeah, wow! Interesting. So I'll I'll leave it up to everyone to uh, to read it and find out what happens. That's but, uh, great. And so, yeah. do you sort of make it? I mean, I don't know how you would do this, but is it like interactive, like with the reader in a way? Like, is he like, I guess like, hey, you or like, what are you doing there? Or is it sounds like maybe he might be getting freaked out by the fourth wall or is it just like, like how he's definitely seeing he's definitely seeing things he doesn't see. Yeah. Understanding things he doesn't understand. And throughout the story, he'll have to either uh, he'll have to to deal with that fact. Oh, uh, wow. And, and that's all I'll, I'll leave it with for now. Uh, because <laughs> it, I, I really, I really, really like 
how I <laughs> where I take it. I don't know. It's, is it weird for us, uh, an author to be? No, like, oh, it's I'm good to be. No, it's one. good. Like, I mean, and just just the basic idea that I'm awakening to see see what I just did there. Um, very nice. Is that like yeah? It sounds like a very interesting take on on a Star Trek story where it's sort of just like. Or just, I mean, it's kind of like the last action hero thing, right? Where the character's like mm. realizing like, I am a character in a story and how effed up is that, right? Like, that's not, that's not good. You know what I mean? Like, if, if that's what you thought, then that would send you for some serious issues. Yeah, like, for sure. And, for and sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well done. I like that take. That's Thank very you. cool. Yeah, I, I very much am a fan of like alternate universes or or different timelines and stuff like that and this kind of story of like awakening uh, again here i go to um to uh, an awareness that you just <coughs> might be like a character of fiction in some larger entity story is one of those things that i've always really enjoyed as well where it's just like Oh my God, like, what am, what am I? You know what I mean? Like, what am I? So it sounds like you could be getting into some maybe deeper territory here than like, like one of the things like that I thought like Star Trek five, right? It's not, a, not a good mm -hmm. Star Trek movie. It's one of the ones my not daughter much. got into Star Trek a little while ago. And it's that it's a whole sort of thing. Like, why does God need a starship and stuff like that? Yes. That Thank is, you for mentioning that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I kind of <laughs> it's one of the so like I show my daughter and I started getting she started getting into Star Trek with me like years ago and she fell in love with Spock and all that. And during the pandemic, we were all stuck at home. So we were watching like Star Trek episodes every once in a while and she enjoyed them. And I got her up to four and we just never went past that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even though six is good, you know, after four for me, I was just like, but Five is the one where they sort of, I remember sitting in the theater and I grew up Catholic, went to Catholic school and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, are they really going to get into this? And then it just like falls apart. Like it all just kind of like, they don't yeah, all, they, they don't. Yeah. It just becomes like a, you know, it, it was hard back out. Yeah. Yeah. A huge disappointment, <laughs> huge disappointment. But, yeah. and not saying that your comic is sort of like getting into this, but I mean, you mentioned faith in the description and now I yes. see kind of like where you're going and so how do you dive into religion at all? Do you dive into whatever particular belief system this character has like in, in the comic? Cause uh, I, I, it's my yeah, understanding. That there... in... Oh no, go ahead. go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying, I don't dive into it uh, too deeply, but sure. shortly after the part where, where you read, because I didn't want to want to go into the, the past. I, I didn't want to like start fleshing out, backstory i want to keep things sure. moving forward keep it going but yeah there's but there's a few pages shortly there's a scene shortly after the preview pages after they re, you know there's the anomaly what do we do with that blah blah uh where it deals with <coughs> excuse me it's it's just a scene between lao and uh navani the, the medical officer uh where lao's in med bay and navani ha has him there and she's trying to figure out what's wrong with him and it gave me a, a bit of a chance where he's he's literally constrained, like he's locked to the chair and he's trying to convince her that like, no, you, like you wouldn't understand, but like, but I'm not crazy. Like, but this isn't, you know, and she's like, I'm scanning you and, you know, we're trying to figure out the issue uh, where he talks a bit about their relationship uh, in at the, well, I call it the Acadome. Uh -huh. <laughs> By the way, the thing is called the Confederation because I'm, I'm lazy, I guess. I don't sure, know. sure, sure, sure. <laughs> 
the whole thing is anyway. So back at back at the Academy, which I which I kind of love the idea of Academy as a dome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. Like anyway, uh, so they were lab partners together, and he he had this, and and her thing was always getting very skeptical about the projects they were doing, and he was the guy who who had faith, who pushed things forward. He was like, you know, uh, you know, keep faith, and faith will keep you. Like you have to believe it's going to work. You have to. And so, like, I try to bring that in there, uh, less, less as a, yeah, more, I, I want to say, I guess, more subtext than, than actual text of discussion of, you know, their, you know, uh, their particular religions or anything like that. But it does deal with the concept of, like, if you believe something or if someone else believes something and they believe it super wholeheartedly, but you have no proof for this and it looks like they're insane, like, how do you reconcile that, you know? How do you deal with the fact that subjectively they may have had they might have had what appears to them a fully legitimate revelation? They you know just being in a, a different belief state than you, uh, which is really one of the fundamental questions of society. Like how do you deal with people who just straight up believe things that are fundamentally different than the things you can believe? Like at the end of the day, if someone's like, you know, uh, you're just gonna go to hell. Like that's just yeah. every like I don't care what you say. Like my belief structure and everything I believe says that. Once you die, you're bound for eternal punishment. It's like, how do you have a relationship with this person? You know, if they believe that, like, no matter what happens, like, you're just, you're bound for the lake of fire. Like, that's a weird, a weird thing to think about yeah. another person, but still have to have, like, a functional relationship with them. But yet we do it as a society. So I think that's something I want to interrogate a little bit, uh, something I want to. And this also, I should mention, uh, the backup story for this is called Chosen, which uh, is a story that I did for, I'll hold it up so you can see, but no one else on the podcast can see. Uh, this oh. Tales from the Cloakroom. Yeah, yeah. This was an, this was an anthology uh, that was produced, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, by the uh, by the, the inaugural uh, team of the Scott Snyder comics writing class, of yeah, which yeah. I was part of. Uh, and it was, it was so fun. We had like uh, a bunch of us get together and we all made stories about the theme jacket because Scott Snyder's uh, imprint is called Our Best Jacket. Uh, with two T's, it's just a portmanteau of his two sons' name. It has nothing to do with actual jackets, but they kind of took a jacket logo. And so we have a thing where every story here has to do with a jacket. Okay. And so I wrote a Green Lantern style story uh, where someone, a, a kid who's this sort of nerdy, uh, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, nerd culture obsessed kid uh, receives a visitor from space who gives them this jacket and then brings them into this, you know, like essentially galactic police Green Lantern style uh, you know, sort of like quote unquote peacekeeping force and sure. he realizes as he goes through, you know, what it means to be part of this thing and what it means to be chosen, what it means when someone comes and says, you're special, take this thing and become one of us. Uh, you know, what does it mean when someone says you're, you're special? Like it, it could mean that they think you're, you know, some, something real good, or it could mean that they think you're special in a different way. So I wanted to interrogate the nature of that, which also has large religious, uh, undertones in terms sure. of, uh, you know, believing in something that is greater than you and, you know, to what degree, because someone says you're special, do you, do you go along with it or when do you start interrogating it and how does that all end up? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's a, that's a, a six page, uh, backup story to this. And it goes very well with awakening. When you read the stories, you'll see how, uh, it's, it's, they're both sci-fi stories that deal with similar themes and, and stuff. Well, uh, I love so, both ideas. Yeah. Like both ideas are like really, I mean, even just the idea, I mean, since you mentioned Green Lantern, you know, I'm just going to say the idea Ooh. of you getting this ring because you're 
the best on the planet or have the most will or whatever it is. And what would that do to your ego? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> sure, I yeah. mean, Hal Jordan, obviously that went wrong in the long run, right? Like, especially during the nineties, during the Superman, which I all hated. I was like, there's no way Hal Jordan becomes parallax and goes and say, like, I hate it. I was so angry at all of that stuff. Kind of all of it. hard to back out of that one. Yeah. Like, it wasn't really him. I was like, yeah, yeah he, no, I hated that too. I hated it. when they brought him back. <laughs> like, so it's so funny that we were talking about like nerd stuff and getting angry about nerd stuff, because that was one of the things where I was like, no, Hal, that would, Hal Jordan would not do that, A. He sure, would not yeah. slide into insanity and let the whatever, let the city be blown up or whatever. Like, that wouldn't happen. And then B, me getting, it's even more funny because, like, when they bring him back, I'm like, no, we you did it. Now you have to stick to it. There's no way. It's like, it's <laughs> right, like yeah. bringing you Hitler back. And sleeping it. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's like he blew up, a, you know, he, he yeah. massacred millions of people. Like, you don't come back out. You know what I mean? It's just whatever. Anyway. <laughs> And, and people trusting him and stuff. But I like, I love um, the way that you're thinking. Like, I really like the explorations that you're taking. Oh, thanks. Um, you know, in particular, I mean, the Green Lantern thing is great. We could talk for hours about that. But as far as like awakening, like that is, you know, we I brought up Star Trek V and that's a balancing act, right? And so, I mean, for me, it's like you're you're touching on something that seems like really interesting and it seems like you're really um, exploring subject matter, but in your own mind, I mean, I'm sure you're like, Oh, you know, I, I stuck the landing and stuff, but were you concerned at all? <laughs> like, like you know, I was extremely concerned yeah. the entire time. Uh, because like, that's the failure of Star Trek five, this... right? Is that they bring up yeah. these big ideas and then it's just like, pfft. Like they just farted on it. Like they were just like, no. Oh, yeah. So there's, this is a big idea that you're exploring. Stuff. Yeah, it's a big idea. Uh, there's some technical stuff in the back end of the comic uh, where I did the art for. Uh, okay. Which another artist, and you'll know when you get there. Uh, <laughs> okay. And I spent I don't know a billion hours, like you know, trying to get it to look good. Uh -huh. uh, that was so. There's a lot of this comic was just like I had this big idea. I had a big idea visually for what I'm going to do at the back half, you know, the sort of like, uh, you know, the, 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 the something greater than yourself, uh, stuff. It has to be a different visual style. Sure. Uh, you know, anyway, so I don't want to, again, I don't want to go into the details cause I do want people to read it and have a good time, but technically speaking, it was a, a very difficult to pull off cause it was the first time I did something like that graphically. Uh, and then the entire time I was like, does this work? Does any of this work? Is this all just like, I don't know, this like random wankery? Like, do we engage with these ideas that I'm pulling out there? And I think I do. I, th I think I find a way to, 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 to land it. I mean, you'll read it and you'll tell me if it does or not, you know? Sure. <laughs> it's, everything works in my mind, but, uh, my, you know, what can I say? My editor likes it. <laughs> that's like best of, no, but best I mean, I, I guess point. that's that's sort of the big thing when you're doing stories like this, especially when you're dealing with a character where it's like a break in reality. And are they crazy? Are they not crazy? And if the exploration is they're not crazy. And this is a very big sort of like break in their universe or the way that they see things or the way that things are you know, you sort of have to dive head first into that. And a lot of creators don't, right? They sort of like pull out at the last minute. They go into that deep dive and they're like, no, 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 not going to touch it. And you've got 20 pages. So it must've been a bit of a challenge to like it's, do your thing, right? 
but you got to commit to the bit. Yeah. You have to commit to the idea. If you're not going to take that seriously and flesh it out and uh, ask yourself like how far you can go with it, then this isn't that story for you, you know, okay. like you, for, for you to write. I mean, like as yeah. a writer, like you have to be willing to like, you know, and, and it's, it's brisk. Like it gets to the, the action there. I put the first five pages on Kickstarter and pages yeah. four and five are just a splash. So like, you know, already you're a, you're a quarter way in the book by that point. So, yeah. you know, like if, and knowing the ending, I was like, the ending is going to take, you know, five pages for the ending I have in mind. So I have 10 pages in the middle to, to move this plot forward and not have it drag and get everything to where it needs to be, which is quick. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's an exercise in, in writing. You you determine what the most important things are. You determine the relationships and how they're going to, uh, you know, be bolstered, who's going to support who, how are things going to fall apart, you know, the comedy, the tragedy, whatever, and then you just do it and you edit like hell. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So are, we won't be doing a Superman 2 at the end of this is what we're saying, right? <laughs> like a, a Superman 2? Yeah. Well, I, uh, so I'm I actually never saw Superman 2. So oh, I, wow. I, no, Where, I never did. Well, now I don't want to spoil it, but anybody who has Please seen do. Superman 2. I have not seen Superman is not, <laughs> You should see it. It's good. They're good movies. Uh, yeah, they're heard, fun. Well, I mean... I don't know that it holds up. The first Superman is like one of my favorite movies, is my favorite movie of all time. But sure, yeah. Superman 2 is, it has things, but if you ever watch it, you'll it understand. Been. Anybody who's ever seen it, it will understand what I'm talking about, which is, it's the basic thing of like, we've set up this big change in the universe and now we're just going to wipe things, you know, it's just like, nope, mm, you know see. what I mean? And it is sort of the basic status quo of any sort of like superhero sci-fi whatever show where there's no there's the illusion of change but there is no real change right which is what becomes frustrating but sure is why comic yeah yeah anytime anyone says there's like this event will change things forever yeah you know you have to like asterisk 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 and this time we mean it yeah yeah exactly you know like oops (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, fool fool me once fool me 400 times yeah 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 exactly exactly which is why in, in my opinion even though you know not considered a very great person right now like uh the buffy the vampire slayer was one of the or uh, one of the really great shows because as it went on there was actual incremental change with the like things would ch- people would die thing you know serious things would happen and then you'd be like oh my gosh and then or uh yeah it's not so, just back to status quo by the yeah it's the not just back yeah. to status quo at the end of the episode it's like oh okay something happened i mean obviously there's only so much you can change in a narrative that goes on that long right but but that was one sure. of the things that i remember being like oh this isn't like other things that i've watched where everything just remain everything remains the same and it's all status static status quo like at the end um but that's so that to me is interesting. So, okay, I'm going to take your word for it that you're committing to like the big thing. And now I can't wait to read this because I'm like, okay, I want to see like where he goes with this because that's a big Pandora's box to open. It's tough. You have to know what you have to have. You have to have a very clear vision of what the comic is about and how the ending is going to work out before you start it. And that's something with this story. I knew very immediate. I didn't know all the details, but I knew like uh, months before I even decided I was going to write it, like the idea for the story came in my head probably like a year or something like ago, even before I even decided to write it. And I was like, this, if I wrote a sci-fi story, I think this is one of those, you know, like 
that that I could do. And eventually, when I decided it was time to do a my so this is my first single issue comic. I've written uh, eight or nine shorts. Yeah, uh, a, a large, uh, a long one shot webtoon. Uh, so I've been trying different stuff, different media, and I mean, this is my first time doing a Kickstarter as well. I have a fairly modest uh, uh, goal, uh, seventeen fifty uh, Canadian, which comes out to I don't know, like thirteen hundred or fourteen hundred American or something. Sure, like way less than most people. And I'm like, I just want like to run this thing. I want it to succeed, and I want to understand how this works. You know, I'm and I'm making the comic. I I did all the design for the interior and like the trade dress, right? I think that's what you call it. Like yeah. I'm, I'm doing the whole thing myself to understand the process and learn how it works. And so I wanted a story that was a, that was a one shot story. I didn't want my first time doing this to be, you know, one of six. I have Got stories it. and I'm writing comics. And I'm getting back art right now and I'm working with people to, to write ongoing stories, which is like the next big thing that I'm really excited about. And that, that was my goal. You know, no one, I think, usually starts saying, I want to write comics to just write one shots. Like, you know, most people have like a longer story in mind, right? Sure, sure, sure. But this particular story and uh, from its conception to its ending, uh, I, I knew because I knew how I wanted things to go, I could say, OK, this is a great one shot standalone story. I don't need to uh, put this out and then, you know, hope that some people pick it up so I can make a sequel like there, you know, never say never. There could be a sequel. It's totally possible that I reuse, you know, these characters or some of these characters again. There's lots of stuff you can do. But my going into this, I see this as a, a self-contained thing, uh, you know, with always the possibility for something in the future. But I don't want people reading this thinking like, okay, well, you know, like uh, if I don't read issue two, then you know, there's no point in reading issue one. Like this is sure the story. Like it's like a movie. You know, it's. Like, yeah. Like any self-contained thing. Yeah. Well, but that's that's uh, always the interesting thing with a lot of uh, creators that I've interviewed on Kickstarter, and they're only like, "This is one and done." Um, and for me, it's like, "But what if I like this a lot? Like, what if I'm like, <laughs> what if I'm like Ari? This is great. Like, I wanna, I wanna read more of this." Uh, I'm assuming that you're not gonna, like, obviously. I'm if not- the- yeah. yeah, you wouldn't abandon it. I'm not currently it. writing more. Yeah, I'll tell okay. you right now. I'm not currently writing more uh, for for this particular story. Okay. But I will always say this: if the fans demand it, <laughs> uh, you know, if there actually is a groundswell of people saying, like, "Dude, I need to see what happens." So I wrote Chosen, and I had a bunch of people come up to me, and I didn't intend Chosen to be an ongoing thing. It's a six pager, like it's a short. Chosen is the, the sort story. of cloak thing, the green light. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. Chosen yeah. is the is the uh, is the backup to this one, and is yeah. the uh, Tales of the Cloak and Comic. Yes. Uh, so, but I had a bunch of people come after and say, like, I need to see part two, and I was nice. like, okay, like I, I didn't kind of expect that, and I even sent it to someone like a like a few days ago, uh, you know, uh, another comic writer, and I was like, here's my story, Awakening, and you know, here's, and he's like, yeah, now I really want to read more of Chosen, and I was like. Everybody like I didn't expect that, you know. So That's I'm not, great. I'm not planning though. a sequel to that right now or anything, but like I'm, like the the characters end in a cool place, but they can always, you know, you can always take that to a different place. And then it's the question: What do you do next? What do you follow up? Do you want to follow up on the same themes? Do you want to follow up on different themes? Yeah. And everything I write, I write about something. I'm not writing typically about like I I try not to to make my stories. Uh, I mean, all stories are you know. Uh, generic in the sense that they for, they you know have a particular structure you yeah, know yeah, like yeah. Uh, that people recognize like that's not you know you'll never write an original 
uh, a truly original story in Western media uh, with, I mean, like with an original narrative structure, because it's not the way that we're used to reading things and we wouldn't even recognize it as a story. Sure. But I do want everything I write to seem different and engage with issues that people like it's all intellectual, but all also, you know, character driven and compelling. Yeah. Everything's about something more than just what it's about. You know, it's sure. about like, yeah, like, you I have mean, themes you, about, and, you know, yeah. yeah, you have themes. And so, you know, my themes for this, the, the big question for, you know, follow-ups is like, do you keep the same themes? Do you have different themes? And how do you decide, you know, if you're, if you want to do an ongoing, uh, you know, what is the most interesting thing? What are the most interesting questions, the most interesting aspects of the first that need to get fleshed out more? And what was just kind of a fun thing that you had in there that worked for it the first time you did it? Uh, anyway, uh, all this is to say, I think a lot about this kind of stuff. No. <laughs> so it's, uh, I'm, I'm very happy that people respond positively to it when they do. And, uh, you know, comics is never say never. Like you write a thing, there's always a chance you can bring it back another time. Like, yeah. you know, no one's ever really dead. No one's ever, you know, and even if they are really dead, you know, their twin sister is, you know, whatever, like any, <laughs> you know, sort of bullshit, a clone, another yeah. character from, you know, even if I like decide at the end of the day, I want to blow up the starship, you know, like it's the Confederation. Clearly there's more than, there's one more starship, than one ship. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 So, uh, oh, I'll never, so, I'll never forget so, seeing the Enterprise blow up on that big screen. Like, lost my shit. I was just time? like, "What?" Yeah, no, the first time on the, first you know, time. yeah. Well, Spock dying and all that stuff. I was just like, right, yeah. Spock dying. I was a mess in the theater, and I was like, "Dude, are you okay?" Oh, <laughs> yeah, hard, well, yeah, I was a little kid. It was very hard. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, so I guess that leads me to sort of concerning this project. You know, I mean, obviously you have a love for Star Trek, but why this for like your first sort of, you know, solo launch on Kickstarter? Why Star Trek? Why this sort of universe? Like, what is it about? Why not a superhero thing? Why not a crime thing? Why not? Why Trek? Well, I think in the particular style of story that I wanted to was the person coming with the, with a person wondering whether or not there are a you know, there's more out there than they see and yeah. people saying, is this guy nuts or not? I think that fits. I mean, you could do that in any genre, but I think sure. it fits very well for sci-fi. Okay. Very well for Star Trek uh, with, especially in, in, in a world where uh, you have, where most people are, you know, expected to behave sort of arch rationally, you know, like they're in, a, it's in a, it's a futuristic a uh, world where magic and you know is not seen as a, a a thing. People having strange revelations and religious experiences are not, you know, maybe they're like privately respected, but it's not generally seen as okay. Now I'm now I got to back myself up because there's lots of that stuff to start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the there's Star a little bit. Watch, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a little bit, but I want to have a a world where you know a person at a starship having a religious awakening is like different than if, if he came out of a cave in a prehistoric society and said, I have spoken to the sky God or something mm. like then people would be like, Oh yeah, he spoke to the sky God, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, yeah. For of sure. He did, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and also I, I, I wanted the chance to, I, so I think everyone has, maybe not everybody, but most people who write, I think have a, a genre that they feel sort of the most at home with, even if it's not the one they necessarily write the most in. Like I, I, so I think of Tom King as a uh, a crime writer. Yeah. Uh, and I, the way I think of like uh, 
uh, Brubaker as sort of first and foremost, almost like a crime writer, where I think of Rick Remender as like a sci-fi writer. Uh, Scott Snyder is a horror writer. Like if you sort of scratch them and say, like, if you could just write in one genre or not, like, but that doesn't necessarily mean setting. Like Tom King's stories, like take Strange Strange Adventures, for example, or uh, Mr. Miracle, uh, or maybe Mr. Miracle's a bit weird for this, but Vision, you know, like there's, there's these sort of like this dark kind of, you know, family drama, crime, you know, there's this undercurrent that doesn't have to be superheroes, but he uses a superhero setting because he's writing for those companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and sure. using their, you know, using their properties. Uh, his Tom King's most recent story, jeez, uh, uh, Human Target. Human okay. Target. That's a crime. That's a crime story. Yeah, uh, yeah. With superheroes, uh, but you know, it doesn't need to be like have superheroes. He could have written no superheroes at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think he he thinks in terms of crime. That's sort of the way. And I don't know if I have a, a particular uh, style, like yet, but I do gravitate strongly towards science fiction. Sure. And I think that's because that's what I grew up watching a lot of. And for me, science fiction was the way that I got exposed to, uh, excuse me, the way that I got exposed to the most uh, interesting uh, moral arguments. So Star Trek Next Gen, which I, I loved, uh, I. I went back not for space battles, you know, like that, that wasn't the thing that drew me in. It was like, here's, here's a group of people, uh, that are, that are doing something that is like, let's say terrible or against their interests, or, you know, it could be a crime against whatever version of humanity they have, but they haven't, we haven't made contact yet, you know? And like, do we, you know, do, like how important is the prime directive and how much do you interfere with other people, uh, you know, or let them figure out their own way? Like the moral issues is what drew me to science fiction, and it's something that I think science fiction does very well. Yeah. Any any genre can do it, and science fiction I even find funny is calling it a genre because I think of it more these days as a setting than a genre. Yeah. Because you can have and at Star Trek: Strange New World, if anyone sees Star Trek: Strange New World, you'll know that there's an episode in there that is basically Alien, uh, where it's it's with the uh, the Gorn, uh, their ship gets like. Infested with Gorn, or they have to deal with Gorn. I forget the exact details, but they got to fight the Gorn, and the yeah. Gorn are like these frightening alien-like characters. And there's nothing in that episode uh, that is stylistically similar to you know so much of other Star Trek, where like you know we're just going to space, and here's a planet full of people, and there's two people, and they both have different opinions, and they we need to sort it out. We need to be like the moral arbitrator, you know, for whatever issue they have. Sure, like that's another classic. That's sort of like you know like classic Star Trek science fiction. Um, but you can do it. You, you can have a horror story. You can have an intellectual, uh, you know, what's the right thing to do story. You can have space battles. You can have, you know, a, like for DS9, this this grand scale, uh, you know, Dominion War stuff. Like, you don't need to stick with a particular style of story uh, for your setting. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's something that people who think about genre tend to get boxed into. If, like, if you say fantasy, Typically, you think about epic fantasy stories, right? Like Lord of the Rings, some person on a mission, uh, or like Game, of, you know. But like Game of Thrones, which is a fantasy setting, has nothing to do with Lord of the Rings in terms of like oh, yeah. structure of the story. Yeah, no, right? they're absolutely like totally not. different. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, but they still have you know like elves or whatever. Well, it seems like elves, they have dragons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's dragons. It doesn't have dragons. It's mostly it trappings these days, right? I mean, you're telling a different yes. kind yeah. of story. 
like I mean, like you said, like Tom King or whatever, it's like a crime thing, but it's wrapped in the cloak of like a superhero setting. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what makes it more interesting. I think we've gone beyond, I mean, the point of like that you can just have people in tights beating the crap out of each other for 21 pages and women with right. large breasts and, you know, big butts, you know, in spandex. You know, this isn't image comics of the 90s anymore. We have to do better. You know what I mean? And yeah. and comics have done I, better. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, because you're on video and I'm not, but you're sitting in front of a wall of, of graphic novels, which is very much like bookshelves that I have in my house. Uh, what's got you Bro, started off? I'll take you to my other wall of graphic oh, novels yeah. as well. I've uh, got stuff like that. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. We are we are simpatico. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but I guess um, for me, uh, like, well, f- my question to you is like, what got you into comics? Like, what 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 was your first sort of big thing that that pulled you into the sort of uh, world of comic books? Because you've got a lot. <laughs> there and which we it's, all do i mean we're all nerds and fanboys or whatever you want to call it um i've got my my personal thing right now is statues like i don't know why like i've become like a big i 20 years ago i was like no i why would people collect that and now i've got like tons of them in my office so but what what was your, how that happens yeah yeah it's funny how that happens <laughs> how you're just sort of like yeah that's like, dumb that's a waste of money yeah like, and deal. then all of a sudden you're like oh that Captain America thing looks really neat. I maybe I should yeah. have that in my office. But um uh what um like what got you started? Like what was the first thing? Oh so I don't go into the bookshelf. Go in the bookshelf. Yeah, go for it. That's why I do this. I could have done this on a couch, but no. No, no, I it's fine. It's good yeah. to have the reference library right behind you. Yeah. So I'll, t- I'll tell you, uh, I can't remember the first comic I read. Yeah, uh, but I do remember reading comics very early as a kid. But I'll yeah. just hold up. This is the Untold Legend of the Batman. Oh, uh, these are these three. Are you familiar is with that? This? Is the John? Is that one of the John Byrne ones? Like, did he do one of those issues? I think. Uh, I think the Len middle Wade one that you're Jim holding, Jim Aparo. John Byrne might have been. Was I he involved think in this? that yes, he... John Byrne and Jim Aparo were the artists on issue number two. Yeah, yeah, John Byrne. That's why I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he was involved in this as well. It's mostly uh, Len Wein writing and mostly uh, Jim. Uh, is it Aparo? Aparo? Yeah, Aparo. I think. Uh, I think it is. Aparo? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Not positive. Uh, these came with a tape, and as a kid, I tell tape. you one of my most distinctive memories: a cassette tape. Which you, you don't look old enough deck. to be listening to cassette tapes. <laughs> I am, but you don't look I, old I enough. I am. <laughs> really? Okay. Make memories, yeah. I, I have, I have a, a youthful countenance. So yes, yes, as do I, I apparently, yeah. Well, I'll just tell everybody, uh, the Kickstarter campaign ending on February 25th is my 40th birthday. Oh, so, congratulations. Come, All right. Thank well, you. Hopefully come, we'll come make it a good birthday. I'm celebrating. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I have very strong memories reading this as a kid and like pressing the tape and reading along and beep, you know, and making noise. <laughs> That's and so pages. great. That's it awesome. was like kind of a stunt, I guess, that they did. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. As a kid, like I just hours just going through and the fact and these comics don't end on a super satisfying plot conclusion. Yeah, they end on a bit of a not quite like the prisoner, like the answer is at a different question level than the question sort of thing. But like it goes towards that a bit. Yeah. And that blew my goddamn mind as a child. Like sure. sort of like, what a weird story. But like, I love it. And it, yeah. it, I just loved everything about it. Is that second uh, issue the one where like Thomas Wayne goes to a, a 
uh, yes. costume party yes, dressed is. as in a bat costume. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's exactly that's it. the John yeah. Byrne. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. Yep. I'm a nerd people. I'm a nerd. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So, so Batman so, was the thing that got you sucked in, or at least those particular Batman comics. Yeah. Batman. And then the nineties, I read uh, a lot of, uh, uh Spider-Man and, and this is like when Venom was like first getting big, not like when he first, like first, first got like maybe a few years after that. Yeah. I read a lot of like early, early Venom. I like, I, I say early ish, like Tom McFarlane and like slightly after. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, my, it's funny how that works. I bought, you know, in my twenties, I bought a, a trade paperback, like the birth of Venom and Venom returns and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, these stories I read as a kid. And my son, used to like he still has, he has those books in his room so i have two kids one is uh 10 and the other seven okay my son when he was two he, the books he slept with were like the birth of venom and the infinity oh God. my like, god like literally i was like just make sure you don't bend the pages and he's yeah, just like just yeah that's small funny child just like loving these books that's so, so funny it's so funny how these things so i mean my kids grow up in a world of like they have more comics in their rooms than i probably do here yeah oh yeah yeah buy a ton of like most mostly trades and mostly like the stuff that the kids would read you know like i've i've got like you know like a whole like i've got all of like you know the wicked and the divine on my bookshelf but like they're not really into that as no, much as they are of into course like not. squirrel girl right so like no that's cool, yeah yeah know? squirrel girl is a big but i also wouldn't shoot them away either like you know yeah it's it's interesting comics is how people learn a lot about uh, about themselves about morality about, yeah you know sexuality about all the stuff yeah. as a kid that you know, that's like, especially as a young kid, all the stuff that's like a few years just above you. Yeah. You know, like comics, at least for me, was how I, I learned a lot about that, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that anyone should like, you know, learn about sexuality from like the 90s. Yeah. Comics. Like, that's <laughs> no, a, that's definitely a bad, not. I plan. No, that but is like, a bad read idea. Read Sandman or like, you know, read fables, like yeah. or examples of, you know, like people having, you know, just like, like, you know, real relationships and with all their, their complexities and all their, you know, good and bad and stuff or swamp thing i mean like there's so much stuff that comics do that that deal with things in a mature and interesting way yeah and i try to you know encourage like you know everyone and, and my own kids never to shy away from something just because it's like a little you know it's a little beyond the rage if something's yeah. like like i don't you know there's a lot of comics I, I love that i don't have like i don't have like uber or sunstone in my house because i don't necessarily need my kids like reading sure. I don't know if you know uber or sunstone yeah but, like, no, i know that's maybe are. like another notch up of like those are know, the ones that you put in the back of the so they can't find them yeah yeah right yeah. That, that would be like the top shelf on like yeah you know, it's like your dad's old playboys sort of like, in the yeah yeah <laughs> it's like right yeah yeah but, but like I do encourage them to read lot, like like a lot of anything I have here is kind of fair game. And if anyone sure. has questions, which they usually don't, uh, you know, yeah. Like my kids read uh, what was it? They grew up reading uh, Scott Pilgrim, uh, which oh, they yeah. still do. Like yeah. it's their favorite thing in the world since yeah. like the youngest age. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim is not written for children. No, like, no, no. It's about this like indecisive twenty year old with like his who has a terrible idea about relationships and sex and doesn't understand any yep. of that very well. Yeah. But like they read that. And they seem to be, I don't know, fine. Yeah, no, <laughs> my daughter so. is at the age where, well, it's funny because Scott Pilgrim, I think I might have shown her the movie first and then, and she loved that. And 
So my daughter's at the age now where it's like I read something and I pretty much just hand it off to her. I'm like, this was great. Here, you're going to love this. This was great. Here, you're going to... Not everything, but I'm like, you'll love this. She's buried in schoolwork, so she doesn't get a chance to read as much as she would like. But she's also a very avid book reader. So comics lead Mm. to that, I think. Comics definitely will take certain kids down. They'll, They'll start with comics and they'll be like, oh, reading books and stuff like that. So I'm a very big advocate of giving little kids comics you know what i mean so you and i are in the same boat and stuff like that but like scott pilgrim it's so funny because her and her friend who have not has not read the comics she was telling me that they were in school and they were they she discovered that her friend loved scott pilgrim the movie and they're like oh we love scott pilgrim but scott pilgrim's the worst (laughs) like like, he's (laughs) such a terrible person and i'm like yeah yeah but that's and that's that's the interesting (laughs) thing right is that as you get older you start to realize that not all your protagonists can be perfect people, right? You know, as much as we would like them to be and stuff like that, that they can't be like the the older, the more that they try to develop Batman. Like that was one of the things that pulled me away from Batman as, as I got older. I'm like, Batman's just a dick, dude. Like he's just a <laughs> jerk. Like, why do I want to read about this guy anymore? Miserable, broody man. Yeah, yeah this like, miserable, man, like, yeah. you know, putting children in danger and stuff like that. And just like never, they, they went down a road with Batman for a long time where I was just like, dude, this is not the guy that I originally was interested in reading. Like it was nice for a little bit, like to make him like dark and brooding, but for 10 to 20 years, he just became this jerk who was like collecting information on his friends and, you know, and stuff like that. So, but it's interesting how things, you know, so then you move on to something else. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, I, I totally agree with you as far as like passing stuff on to your children and stuff like that. And and it is interesting because I was definitely a part of the sort of that latchkey kid generation where I was raised by comics, raised by Star Trek and TV and stuff like that. So a lot of my morality, I wouldn't say comes from that, but was developed by that watching these things. You know, you mentioned uh genre and and inserting stuff into that like the twilight zone right that's like rod serling's mm. big thing where it was like oh yeah they're not gonna let me do morality tales on tv but if i wrap it up in a sci-fi thing then i can talk about broader things so and i think right. that's I what good comics do beauty and ugly yeah but what if i make everyone's like you know of the pig faces or whatever yeah like, yeah exactly exactly like, sci-fi exactly. does that so well yeah and that's one thing i love about it it's like it takes people just one small step yeah. out of their situation and you can tell a story exactly about their situation without yeah. ruffling their feathers too much yeah yeah uh, yeah you know this isn't about you but it's about someone who you might recognize if you squint and look you know like yeah. think about it very hard absolutely you know, like absolutely yeah have and your kids read bone to, jeff yeah. smith's bone uh, no they haven't read oh bone. you should uh, get it to them it's so good there is uh, yeah i don't have bone uh it's you always get at it. the library and i'm always like hey guys there's bone and they're like but i want to reread these plants versus zombies books and i was like those are fun but yeah. you have taken them out of the library a thousand times yeah like, that's great out a different book Here's, yeah maybe i'll just do that next time i go to the library i'll just take that's the thing is because like if you let them choose they'll choose the thing that they're comfortable with. yeah, just yeah like of most course. people will of course if you let anyone walk up to uh you know uh a, you know a buffet of food they will choose the food that they know the best. Yeah, typically, exactly. You know, they won't go for the weird exotic thing, and yeah. that's just how people are. So, as a parent, part of what your job is is to be like, "Oh, here's a book that's different. I'm just going to leave it in your room." And yeah. My daughter, who has trouble getting to sleep at night, just because she's like, just on my nocturnal clock, she would naturally sleep at one to two every night and sleep until ten to eleven. 
that's just how everyone in my personal family is sure sorry you got my nocturnal genes you know like yeah she will just stay up reading for two to three hours every night yeah she just needs new things to read so like yeah if you just drop a book near her it's gonna get read it's gonna you know? get read yeah 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 that's <laughs> great that's, that's great. part of your job is just exposing your kids to cool new stuff you know yeah like, yeah absolutely 100 percent. well cool new stuff is definitely your project awakening right on kickstarter right now that's right um ari correct ari that's right ari gross uh any final words on the project or anything that you want to let people know where can people find you online like on the social so medias people, or whatever yeah so i'm on twitter at at ari b gross it's a-r-i-b-g-r-o-s-s okay uh you can check out my other comics on my webpage www.arigross.ca nice uh, I ha- uh, you can read a bunch of them uh for free some of them are part of anthologies and so you can read previews and stuff like that but that'll give you a good idea of the kind of stuff I'm writing and the, the strange sorts of tales I, I wish to weave. <laughs> That's and, great. Uh, and for Awakening, I just want to uh, talk up our tiers for like two seconds. Yeah, if do I can. it. Uh, so you can get a digital tier, physical tier, uh, physical tier with what I made this postcard with this cool little beach day picture uh, postcard, uh, which I'm going to be sending out. And I, I have a lot of fun uh, making. We have stickers as well for uh, one tier up. Uh, some of them were designed by me. Some were designed by my artists. Uh, they'll, they're all, they're all pretty fun and it's going to be a bigger sticker sheet. So they're all two to three inches large. And, uh, the last two tiers, uh, um, they're all like, call like ensign, lieutenant, captain, commander, admiral. Yeah, that founder. was clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the, the admiral tiers, you can get an original sketch, uh, from our artists, which I, I love. Uh, he did one of me with my arms uh, draped around the leg of security officer Goldhawk, who's this uh, <laughs> this, this Klingon-like uh, warrior. Uh, uh, I so I'm gonna have that hanging uh, once he sends that to me with the other sketches for us and everything out. I'll put that up for sure. Uh, so if you want a cool original sketch, uh, that's there. And then there's the founder tiers to the final, which we're selling the original page art. Uh, so a piece of comic history, or I guess everything is technically a piece of comic history, but <laughs> this is a piece of my comic history. Uh, and uh, so if, if, if everyone wants to pick one tier, I would say uh, the captain tier gets you stickers, the postcard, digital stuff, backer recognition, all that good things. Uh, but the Admiral with the original sketch is well worth your money. Uh, and it would be a beautiful little piece of art to have in your house. So if people are thinking about tiers, that's what I'm plugging. Nice, nice, nice. Well, the idea of all this sounds fantastic. I'm so glad that Thanks you so got much. in touch with me. And I'm so glad we were able to connect to do this. Uh, Ari Gross. Uh, awakening kickstarter go right now check it out support it fund it throw your what do they call them and star trek doesn't have money right like credits like no they're a, they're a post uh do they have something they're they're, they're a post uh, resource yeah. or a post yeah. scarcity economy they're they a post commerce yeah 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 exactly throw, throw your replicator yeah uh, your, throw your replicator <laughs> and get, uh, have it make replicator a copy tokens. of awakening for you yeah 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 well anyway kickstarter ari gross <laughs> Um, Awakening, it looks like a really great sort of Star Trek-like, we won't say Star Trek project, but Star Trek-like, Paramount, leave him alone. Uh, This looks like fun. (laughs) I want to see it come to fruition. Uh, Yeah, Kickstarter, Awakening, just go check it out. It looks like a lot of fun. I've seen some of the pages of the art, and they immediately, I was like, yes, 
this looks right up my alley, especially as a lover of Star Trek. Um, my name is Christian Horn. This has been another episode of the Part-Time Fanboy Podcast. You can check us out on our website, parttimefanboy.com. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram. Our email is ptf at parttimefanboy.com. Thank you for listening. We will be back soon with another episode. Go to Kickstarter, support Awakening. It looks like a fun book. And we will be back soon. Bye. Live long and prosper. Part-time fanboy.